Mindfulness Mode, Episode 11. What really inspired me to establish a mindfulness practice was my desire to live a full and balanced life. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. Today we're talking with Elizabeth Johnston, who is a creative writing expert. Last time we talked with Mark Dillon, who is employed by the Insight Meditation Society in Barrie, Massachusetts. If you know anyone who would like to increase their focus and be more calm, talk to them about subscribing to Mindfulness Mode Podcast. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for the great feedback on iTunes. I want to thank AJ1, Adam, All Work, All Play, Melissa Wilson, and No Fear Grandma. If you think we're a great show, get your own name mentioned on an upcoming episode by leaving an iTunes rating and review. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm completely thrilled to have Elizabeth Johnston on the line today. Hey, Elizabeth, are you in mindfulness mode? Yes, I am. Great. Elizabeth is an expert in creative writing. She's passionate about helping people own their creativity so they can live full and balanced lives. She's received a Canada Council writing grant for her book, No Small Potatoes, as well as a grant from Concordia University to produce a video poem called Keepsake. She was also the script consultant for a short film that premiered at the Cannes Film Festival. Elizabeth also teaches creative writing at Concordia University in Montreal, and she practices mindfulness on a daily basis, and she believes that mindfulness is a key element of the creative process. Elizabeth, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Fill in the blanks for Mindful Tribe. Thanks, Bruce. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me on today. It's a great pleasure to to talk with you. Great to have you here. And... I've been teaching writing and uh, film and screenwriting for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. I do it privately and I do it at the university, as you mentioned. And lately, what I'm really interested in is the connection between creativity and well-being. And I think mindfulness has really help me open up the connection between that. And that's kind of what I'm working on now. Um, And I'm going to be uh, unveiling and rolling out new offerings and new webinars in the future. But I'm really interested in that connection between creativity and how it enhances and and maybe even is fundamental to our well-being. Super. I love that. And being a creative person myself, a musician and and a writer, you know, I really identify with what you just said. Let's talk a little bit about your personal life, if it's okay, Elizabeth. I'm, I'm thinking about going way back to your childhood. Do you remember any situations where mindfulness would have helped you at that time? Oh, definitely. In grade five and six, I was actually bullied by um, by one of the other kids in the class. And, and I think had I had more of mindfulness or a practice or been surrounded by people who had those techniques, I think that that would have really helped me put it into perspective. Um, years later, of course, he ended up uh, saying I met him at a party just by chance. And he ended up saying that the reason he, he picked on me was because he had a crush on me and he didn't know uh, how else to express it. <laughs> so, and so it mm. really underscores the fact that right. 
um, that his bullying of me actually had nothing to do with me per se. It was something to do with him and what was lacking in his home life or, you know, whatever. But had I, you know, had people in my life that could have kept given me that bit of distance or objectivity, maybe I would have handled it differently or approached it differently. Right. How do you think mindfulness would have specifically helped you at the time? Well, Today, I know that with my mindfulness practice, I don't react to things necessarily as quickly as I used to. And I think that instead of being reactive, I might have just paused and thought, okay, why is this person trying to hurt me? And the answer always is because they are hurting And so had Mm. I had that objectivity, then I might have said something differently instead of trying to defend myself or run away or cry or whatever, you know, Um, and and maybe maybe I could have helped him. That's really insightful. Thank you, Elizabeth, for sharing that. That's something that I like to try to help my students with as well when I'm working with somebody on the topic of bullying. Elizabeth, everyone has a life path that does take them in interesting directions. And I'm just wondering here at Mindful Tribe, what inspired you? What motivated you to begin the practice of mindfulness in your adult life? Well, the mindfulness that I practice now is an extension of the shamanic journeying I started doing over a decade ago. At that time, I was having panic attacks and suffered from insomnia. So a friend of mine suggested shamanism. It's sort of create a visualization where you journey to meet guides and ask them for help on something in particular. That practice worked wonders for me and my panic attacks and insomnia went away. I felt as if the universe had my back and I could handle anything. After a few years, I began to practice it less and less because I was feeling so great (laughs) until I rarely journeyed. Uh, I then noticed that I was beginning to feel stressed again, and specifically at work. And so I went to the great oracle that is Google, keyed in stress reduction, and found a method of mindfulness that fit in with my temperament. And so I now combine mindfulness with shamanism, and I practice every day. On the odd occasion that I miss a day or two, I notice a difference right away in my ability to stay centered and calm. So what really inspired me to establish a mindfulness practice was my desire to live a full and balanced life. Going back to when you first started to study shamanism, were there days when you thought to yourself, my goodness, is this really, is this for real? Is this legit? Did you ever have feelings like that, Elizabeth? I did. I I was skeptical about it, but almost from the beginning, it was just such an enjoyable experience that I kind of didn't care if it was real or not. Um, So how did you deal with those feelings of skepticism? I guess because I was so stressed out with the panic attacks Mm -hmm. and the insomnia that I pretty pretty much was just desperate to have something relieve that. I mean, I didn't want to go on medication. Um, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to go, you know, the, that route. I really sure. wanted to take sure. control of it uh, myself. And so I was really looking for alternatives. And, 
and the people that were in the circle, the shamanic circle, they were all very supportive. They all had stories of their own success and Mm -hmm. they were very calming too. They were, they were really lovely people to be around. And, uh, and I thought, well, if it works for them, then maybe it will work for me. Sure, that's so interesting because I'm sure every one of us here at Mindful Tribe we've we've had times when we weren't sure or where we felt insecure. It's really good hearing from you about how you dealt with those feelings. Now, Elizabeth, I'm so interested in your career and some of the challenges you might have had teaching creative writing at a university level. Would you share with Mindful Tribe maybe a story about like one specific student that you've worked with? where you saw a result and maybe you use some mindfulness to deal with that student. Could you share something like that with us? Hmm. Good question. I've always been a believer in the idea that there is enough to go around for everyone. And then, you know, I have an abundance belief and it isn't necessarily always manifested clearly in my life, but I do believe that there's enough for everyone. Um, And I don't subscribe to the idea of the zero-sum mentality, you know, where if I gain something, another person or people have to go without. But Mm -hmm. that zero-sum mentality is what drives much of our society. And in the classroom, people are worried about their grades and think that they are in competition rather than on a personal journey of enlightenment and enrichment. You know, for me, that's what education is. That is what I experience university as, and yes, I was concerned about my grades in the sense that I wanted to do the best that I could, but really they took second tier to the amazing journey that I was on. And, and I noticed that in the classes that I teach now, people are really concerned about their grades or about what is the usefulness in, you know, ROI, (laughs) you know, return on investment, um, that I'm going to get from, from taking this this course, uh, whether it's creative writing course or another kind of university course. So tell us, tell us about one student that you've dealt with that you've, you've used mindfulness with. Can you tell us something like that? What I've done in the classroom um, is start to give an awareness to people that they are on a journey and it's a personal journey. So I do different exercises in class to help them really understand that their education is their, in their own hands and that it's about how it's enriching their lives so that they really have to focus on that. And, um, and that you need to approach the educational process with happiness and joy. I mean, I think you have to do that in all parts of your life, but I really right, feel that, right. that you, you have to take out the fear of failure Um, and, or just embrace it, you know, you're not going to get everything right on the first go, but, you know, just to, you know, approach it with positivity. And I started, um, bringing in a lot more, uh, videos like Ted talks and that sort of thing in, in the Mm -hmm. classroom and, and, and talked about the importance of, positivity and seeing the glass half full and how that's going to affect the bottom line in terms of your performance. And um, all of a sudden, students started coming to me and talking about how much that resonated with them. And there's one student in particular who started reading a book um, um, about happiness. And I can't remember what Mm -hmm. the title of the book was, but she she said to me after one of the uh, 
TED Talks that I gave her, uh, gave the class, says, oh, my God, that's mentioned in this book. And she was just, you know, so excited that things were connecting for her. And you see, that's the thing that I find is really important for living a creative and full life is making those connections. You know, when you make connections across the board between different classes, between what you're doing in your class to uh, what is going on in your part-time job or in your family, um, then you really feel a sense of accomplishment. And I think that also you're more mindful. You know, when you are making those connections, you are seeing the world in a more interconnected way and your part in it. And uh, so, so I think that just the method of teaching helps people see things in a more mindful way or approach things in a more mindful way. And, and it's been really gratifying to see those, those changes in the way that I'm teaching bring out those, those um, benefits for, for my students. It's really quite wonderful. I really like what you said and what you said about that student. It really, it really brings it home that you've, you've actually achieved something concrete with your students through what you're doing with mindfulness. Your students are obviously appreciating that. So that's fantastic. Now, I'm wondering if you would tell us, I'd like to go back to that point when you talked about doing mindfulness every day, but you said the odd time if you forget to meditate, you forget to do your mindfulness practice, you really notice it. We here at Mindful Tribe, we totally identify with that. I know I do, you know, like it's it's difficult getting that discipline piece down. How do you recommend to other people to discipline their mindfulness so that you really actually do it every day? For me, I decided that I was going to get up in the morning and that that's what I was going to do first thing, uh, you know, just in a way to introduce myself to the next wonderful day, just have a really good baseline in which to live my life for that one day. So I, I get up in the morning and I do my meditation and, and some physical exercise and then I envision what kind of day I'd like to have. And usually it unfolds that way because I've set my intention and then I follow through on it. And after my meditation and exercise, I do some writing, then breakfast and on with my day. And during the day, I sometimes will do a mini mindfulness moment to refresh myself. I'm also using, you know, I try different mindfulness techniques out as well. And sometimes I alternate with different approaches. For me, it keeps things fresh and I like not being locked into the same thing over and over again. But I think that, you know, if I could recommend to others, you know, how, how to establish a practice, it's really something that you need to figure out when is it, when do you have that time in your day or when can you make that time in your day that makes the most sense for you? Because for other people, it make, might make more sense for them to do it in the evening, you know, um, maybe after the kids are asleep or, you know, something like mm-hmm. that. Um, so it's going to be different for everybody. But I think that once you once you figure out when is your optimal time to to really do it during that time and and not to waver, you know, not say, well, I'm going sure. away on vacation now, so I'm not going to do it for a week or, you know, I'm going to wait until I come back. And, you know, that it really is, it's a portable thing, you know. You don't, uh, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. I would agree with you about vacation. It's so easy to go on vacation and think, oh, I'm on vacation. I'm just going to just not think about anything. And then you get back from vacation and you've lost that routine you had. And it's yeah. even twice as hard to get back onto it, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's, it really is. And, you know, 
and I say this the same thing with with writing. You know, when people are working on extended projects that you need to work on at least a little bit every day, um, not just once a week, because you you lose the thread and you spend so much time, uh, you know, in, in that limited time that you've set yourself once a week, figuring out now, where was I and what, what did I say? And, you know, what did I want to say next? It's the same thing with uh, a meditation or mindfulness practice and, or a shamanic practice. You know, if you are out of touch for a whole week with your spirit guides, it's going to be hard to reestablish that connection, you know, and um, makes perfect sense. Yeah. So it's something that has to be consistent uh, every day. And, and initially just start off small, start off for five minutes or 10 minutes, you know, but but definitely do it every day. Absolutely. You know, I've worked in bullying prevention for over a decade, and I know that almost everybody has a bullying story of some kind. You've already shared one with us, but do you have another story, maybe something as an adult or maybe something else as a child, a story where mindfulness either really helped and made a big difference or it would have? Do you have a story you can share with us, Elizabeth? Well, as a matter of fact, Bruce, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Great. That's super. Yeah. So I um, I teach creative writing. I've been doing it uh, for over 20 years. I love teaching creative writing and screenwriting um, because it helps people access their potential. You know, a lot of people who come mm-hmm. to me just don't realize um, the creativity that is just there waiting, languishing <laughs> within, mm-hmm. you know, and, right. uh, and, and, and it's just so gratifying to see the look on their face when, when they achieve something. Um, and, um, and because I teach at, um, a university and because I, I'm a freelance teacher as well, um, I, I kind of work, uh, for myself, even though I teach at the university and, and it's, it's something that, I like that. You know, I don't like the nine to five. I like just, you know, coming in and transforming uh, the world for my students. Um, And but, you know, sometimes you get into this um, corporate environment um, and universities are that, too. Um, uh, They all are about making money and they're about the bottom line and not so Mm -hmm. much necessarily about people per se. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so sometimes you can run into, uh, administrators who are not exactly supportive, uh, you know, and not really people persons, uh, people, yeah, people persons. And, uh, and so I, I had that experience and mm. it was really difficult because I love what I do. And then when you have a person who is basically blocking you from what you really do best and, and excel at, it's, it's a difficult thing. And so, um, and I talked to a lot of people, uh, since then, and they have found this, you know, that they have the same kind of reaction with administration. And so it's not just me, (laughs) I realize. And, um, because there seems to be a disconnect between, you know, the, the administration level and the real people level. And, uh, and so a lot of people that I know that are teaching at universities are looking for ways to, to get out of that kind of toxic corporate environment. And, um, and, so when I experienced this, and very surprisedly so, um, that actually fed into my desire to use mindfulness and shamanism in a much more 
concerted way. So, um, you know, after those years of kind of not really um, practicing shamanism, and as I said, you know, a couple of years ago, I just decided, okay, you know, that I have to bring this back in. And also the stress, you know, that Mm -hmm. that's what led me to go and find out uh, you know, um, mindfulness for, for stress relief, because I was feeling a lot of stress, um, uh, at school and, and, at the work there and, and not because of the students, not because of the teaching, but because of the administration. So, um, so I, uh, incorporated that into my life and it's made all the difference because, mm-hmm. I can step back, you know, similar to that kid in, you know, when I was in grade five and six and then years later he said, oh, well, because, you know, I had a crush on you. It's like, (laughs) that's why I was so nasty to you. And, and like, who knows why administration does what administration does. But I realized that, yeah, it's this, it's a similar thing, you know, like whenever somebody is um, making your life miserable, it's got more to do with them. Yes. You know, it's it, really, it, yeah, it has with that. to do with them. And so that was really how I dealt with the situation was, okay, take a step back, you know, don't react, mm-hmm. <laughs> just, you know, think about mm-hmm. this, meditate on it and, and realize that it isn't about me. And, uh, and, and yeah, that's very true. And you know what, Elizabeth, as you tell this story, that's obviously heartfelt. It's obviously not easy to share. I'm noticing you're doing deep breathing just as you're telling us, yeah. which is is really an important part of mindfulness. So really awesome that you were able to use mindfulness to help you through this truly challenging situation. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, while I was going through that situation, that was when I realized that I wanted to help other people mm-hmm. access their creativity because partly how I dealt with that, that situation and got through it was that I focused more on my own creative, um, mm-hmm. self, you know, because I was, I was almost dedicating myself 24 seven to, to helping others with, you know, expressing their creativity. Mm-hmm. And, and so at this, you know, time of stress in my, in my work life, I realized that what's going to help me is to get back to my creative source and start creating my own things again. Not that I hadn't, I mean, I'm a prolific mm-hmm. writer in, in newspapers and magazines, but it wasn't quite the same as doing things that were just for me. And, uh, and so that was where keepsake came from. But, um, but now I realize that there is a profound connection between creativity and mindfulness and your happiness. And that no matter what life, um, you've chosen for yourself, you know, whether you're, you're in the corporate world or not, that creativity and that mindfulness and that happiness has to be number one above whatever paycheck that you have, you know, because you are not your paycheck. Powerful, powerful. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Mindful tribe. I'm sure you know that, but listen to what Elizabeth Johnston is saying. You are not your paycheck. You know, reach for your creativity, reach for your passion, what you love to do. Elizabeth, my next questions are part of my favorite segment, the multi-mode round. All we are looking for is just short 30-second answers. That's perfect. Here's the first one. Who's one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? Vishen Lakani of Mind Valley. He has a six-phase meditation he does himself every day. It only takes 15 minutes, but you can go longer if you like, and I like that flexibility. 
Excellent. How has mindfulness affected your own emotions? Over the years, caught in the rat race, I got progressively more stressed and more out of sync with my own values. Mindfulness has allowed me to bring back joy and curiosity as full-time companions. Tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness practice. Well, Nicholas Grabovic taught me a way of breathing and meditation that almost instantly gets me into a calm and centered place where I get the most out of my mindfulness practice. And when I focus on the breathing, I can physically feel the stress disappear. Excellent. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would it be? There isn't one book I'd recommend. I think it's more about a mindset and practicing it rather than book learning. For me, mindfulness is also about how we do things so we can bicycle or garden or walk mindfully too. But that said, I'd recommend The War of Art. Mm -hmm. It's for anyone who wants to create something, be it art or business, with mindful intention. Excellent. I love that book as well. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? Actually, the app that I use is the timer app on my cell phone, and Mm -hmm. it's to time my meditation. Um, And I also highly recommend Happify.com for people who want to start exploring mindfulness, meditation, and positivity. It's a a free website that has all these neat little um, quizzes and, and games and whatnot that really make it fun. Terrific. What advice would you give a mindfulness newbie, someone just starting into the idea of mindfulness? I'd say don't give up on the first try. Dabble. You know, find the mindfulness practice that fits your lifestyle and your temperament. Own your creativity is also about owning your technique for mindfulness and taking charge of your life and the direction you want it to go. Excellent. Elizabeth, it's been such a pleasure to spend this time with you. And I'll tell you one thing. I myself am inspired by your creativity and your many successes. And I'm sure all of us here at Mindful Tribe are. What can you leave us with? Tell us here at Mindful Tribe just a, a final word and then tell us how you, we can contact you and learn more about what you do. Well, I, I want to say to you, your tribe out there that mindfulness really can change your life. You know, and I think that for me, it was a reminder about my creativity and about the importance of creativity, but it's so connected. And I guess I would just use E.M. Forster's words, only connect. You know, though I read that in, in the beginning of one of his novels and it stuck with me for the years, you know, only connect. That's so important. Connect with you, connect with your world, connect with your creativity, you know, connect with that source of inspiration inside. Love it. And how we can connect with you? Well, I have a website, uh, ownyourcreativity.com. That's all one word. And uh, you can, um, you know, sign up for my newsletter. And um, yeah, that's how you can get in touch with me. Okay. Thanks so much once again, Elizabeth. (laughs) Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. In appreciation, I'll mention you at the top of an upcoming show. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.